Good morning, church. Everybody here hopes in something. You know, you have placed your hope somewhere. If you're growing up in this world, your hope is in riches and power because that's the way we are trained. That has not changed through the ages. The difficulty is it doesn't work. When you place your hope in something that ultimately is going to pass away, then your hope has no value. But God offers a hope that comes with riches and power and an eternal life. Last week we talked about that when we were covering the first section of Ephesians and the Apostle Paul told us that when we hear and then we believe, we are sealed in him. And it's that belief that we then walk with through life. And it's not easy to walk, is it? There was a great Christian philosopher and apologist who made this statement centuries ago. He said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Let me translate that into today's English. It's tough to be a Christian. To really walk the Christian walk is not easy. It goes against the culture because your hope and my hope is placed in a person, not in a project, not in something we're attempting to accomplish or, or gain some value in riches or in the power we may have because those are going to pass away, but we place our hope in a person. And that person is with us because we have been sealed into him. But it doesn't mean that the struggles of this life are going to go away. The ideal of which this man speaks is having the character of Christ. Last week, we mentioned that character is that which you develop that reflects who Jesus is. And the greater your character in reflection of Christ the less likely you are to fall prey to the temptations that will come against you from the world. So it's a struggle. And Paul continues to write the believers in Ephesus because he wants them to understand not only to hear, to believe, to be sealed, but now he's going to pray for them that they really get it at the depth they need to get it so that they can come against the culture in which they lived which though it appears different, is no different than the one we're in. Because he wanted to show them that there is hope, there are riches, and there is power. Hear what he states in Ephesians 1, verses 18 and 19. It's a prayer. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Someone asked me once, what do you think about that? Another said, how do you feel about that? Now, we know that guys, we think, don't we? We've been told it's only half the brain that works in a man, but we think and the women feel. Well, not really. We all feel, we all think. 
What's interesting is how Paul brings together the mind and the heart in this statement. Because he says, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In other words, I pray that you'll be able to see and understand from your heart of hearts. Why? Because the head reasons the heart has the emotions, but they work together. You need to have a heart for God. You need to have hope in him, and you need to seek him because the purity of the heart is the enlightenment of the spiritual eyes. When you take the word of God and you hide it in your heart, it's so that you won't sin against him. So you're purifying the heart with his word, and then as you go out, you're reflecting his character. And little by little, you are making progress. So your heart is speaking. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So that's what our hope is. Our hope is that you and I will obtain that purity of heart where we'll bring every thought captive to the word of God. And all of our actions will be responses from the word of God as we move about. The spiritual eye keeps us focused against those things that the society wants to bring against us. And it's a tough world to live in, isn't it? I think it's far more difficult today than it was in my day, long ago. I remember as an undercover agent, I had an assignment where I lived with a man who was pushing pills and marijuana. And I saw the struggles he went through to hide that, to get it in, to distribute it. All the difficulties that were going on in his life right then. And as I look back on that, I'm thankful that God delivered me out of that because I was not yet a believer. So I didn't have a moral compass to the extent that I could avoid the possibilities of getting involved in that stuff. I'm thinking, wow, I sure am glad of that. Well, maybe a year, two years ago, one of my favorite restaurants in Mount Pleasant became a cannabis dealer, and it's legal. I mean, you tell me times haven't changed? My poor friend would have been out of business. <laughs> Nobody to take his stuff to. The temptations of this world are far greater than they have ever been in so many different forms of media. And so it is a struggle for us to stay focused on what's really important. To stay focused on Jesus Christ. Now, let me show you how hard it is. Everybody's looking at me, okay? Don't look at the side screens, just look at me. Now, at the same time, look at somebody to your far left or right. You can't do that, can you? It's impossible to focus on two different things at the same time. One is going to win over the other. And the moment you allow yourself to believe that there is something that's more important than a relationship with God, then you're in trouble because you will gradually be taken off the mark and you'll be going in this direction where God wants you going in this direction, staying focused on him. When you are focused on him, then you have hope. And that's the first thing we want to talk about this morning is hope. Hope in him. There's an author by the name of Oz Guinness, and he wrote a book entitled The Call. The subtitle was Finding and Fulfilling God's Purpose in Your Life. 
I really love that book because he points out two different kinds of calling that God has for you. The first one is that calling into a personal relationship with God. Since Jesus Christ opened the way for us through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. So if you believe in him, then the first call of God on you has been accomplished. And I hope that's true for every one of you in here. If not, you need to accept Christ and what he's already accomplished for you so that you can move to the second call. Without the first call, there is no second call. And the second call is a purposeful life in him. It's a life where you serve, where whatever it is you're doing in the marketplace, in your family, wherever you are, whatever the occupation may be, you can do it to the glory of God because God has called you to do that. If your hope is in him, that's what you're going to do because that second call is how we live our lives and that second call gives us great outcomes. The first outcome is that you're going to have a closer relationship and knowledge of who God is. And it's amazing to know who he is. And the more you learn from scripture and the more you interact with those who love him, the more you live each day getting up in the morning and saying, whatever you have for me today, I'm open to it, Lord, let's go and you trust him all day, the, the closer you're going to get to him. And then you're going to have a desire to serve him more. Hope brings you to a point of saying, I want to do more for the Lord. Hope also keeps you focused on what he's called you to do. So you're not scattered all over the place. And it's not what you do that's important to God. You're more important to God than what you do. But what you do is important. It's just it has to be done for him. He will supply everything you need to do it. And you need to trust him to do that. The next thing it does is it takes away, hope takes away the false promises that the temptations of the world bring you. It sounds good for a little while. It feels good for a little while. And then it's gone when it's of the world. But when it's of God, it lasts. Not just now, but forevermore. I would much rather have my day spent doing things that are going to last forever than wasting my time doing things that will die at any moment, which makes me a hope-filled optimist. That's what I am. I never see a problem. I see an opportunity. I never see a glass either half full or half empty. I see a glass, I'm going to fill it up because I want to drink it. Whoever asked for a could I have a half glass of water? You know, I want a full glass of water. I am hope filled. I believe Jesus is coming again. And I believe he's coming for me. And beyond that, it doesn't really matter. That's all that matters. He's coming again. He's coming for you. He's coming for me. And then it's over. And then we are in eternity with him. You know, you start thinking about that and, and the amazing nature of our God and the hope that it brings. How can you not trust a God like that? I'm also an eternal optimist because I know that it's all true, that eternity is true. How do I know that? Because when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, 
He finished everything necessary to pave the way for you and for me to come into his presence. So it is finished. There's nothing else that needs to be done. And we are invited to participate in eternity. I, I can't grasp that in my own mind. And when I say I hope in it, I don't hope it's true. I know it's true. But my hope is in him. My trust is in him. My faith is in him. And I'm going to be there someday with him. Well, that all sounds good, but it's not easy, is it? It's hard to carry out what God's called us to do. Uh, many of you have friends that don't like you anymore because of your faith in Christ, even family members who won't have anything to say to you. Or perhaps you've lost some loved ones and you're very sad, you don't understand why that happened. You're struggling with some difficulty in life and you just, you haven't gotten it down yet and yet God says in the midst of all of that, trust me, I'm working it out for your benefit. The Apostle Paul wrote another letter to the Philippian church, and there he said to the believers, it's appointed unto you not only to believe in him, but to suffer on his behalf. And so all of us have suffered in different ways. But Christ suffered, and he paid the price so that when I go through my suffering, I know my hope is in him because he's already been there, and I can call on him, and he'll come, and he'll help me. That is my hope. Think of the patriarch, the, one of the oldest men in Scripture, Job, who came before a lot of the written history. You know that story, perhaps. It was about the man who had a very close walk with God. And Satan came and asked permission to mess with him. And God said, yes, but you can't kill him. But Satan killed all of his children took all of his livelihood and destroyed it, destroyed his home, everything. And Job, in the midst of all of that, and I dare say, and I hope, none of us have ever suffered like that. Maybe some of you have, but hear what Job said in Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face even though he was sitting there on a pile of ashes and he was covered with sickness and his friends were not really friends, they were accusing him of being a terrible sinner. During all of that, he never lost his hope in God. He continues, chapter 19, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. Listen to this. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. What's he saying? He's saying, I believe in the resurrection. Now, how much revelation did he have from God? Not very much. It's so early in history. But he had enough to know that God is going to take me to be with him. He's going to restore me. He's going to give me a body back. I believe in the resurrection from the dead. Wow. Job believed that and had never even heard about Christ. We have heard about Christ. And yet there's still some who don't believe. But I know on that day we will be standing with him, with the Father, with the Son, with the Spirit, in a paradise that goes beyond the Garden of Eden. 
and will be filled with the hope and the glorious riches that God brings us. What are those riches? Well, they're riches that, that hold us together. They are the, the riches that are guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. They are peace, presence, and power. We get his peace, peace that passes understanding. We get the presence of God into which no man is able to stand, but we're invited into that presence. And we get the power of God through the Holy Spirit. And all of those we have today and then forever. I heard over the weekend from a man I've known for 40 years. And he said, I went to the doctor the other day and the doctor has absolutely no bedside manner. He said, he came into me and he said, you're terminal. He said, I looked at him and said, so are you. <laughs> We're all terminal. He said, well, you have non-alcoholic cirrhosis of the liver, which approximately 40% of the population that has cirrhosis comes from non-alcoholic reasons. I never knew that. I said, wow. And he said, they told me I have about five years to live. And I told the doctor, praise God. And I said, how did he react? He said, he had no reaction. He had no idea what to do with that. He said, but I have such peace. I have peace that passes understanding because I knew that Jesus Christ was in that room with me when he said that. And I just had peace all over me. And he said, he just gave me the power to speak. You see, that's the kind of resource, the riches that God gives you in your time of need. Whenever that need arises, he's there. When Jesus said, come unto me, you know, whatever you ask in my name, I will give you. It's not the things that we want that make us rich and powerful. It's the things God already has prepared for us to make us look more like Christ. And so when I ask, that's what I ask for. God, give me what I need right now to make me more like Jesus Christ. And I will wait upon it. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's the testimony of my friend. He is waiting upon the Lord. The riches also remove the barriers that stand between you and me and God. So those things that are always trying to interrupt you, the things from the evil side who comes to, to seek to kill and destroy and steal. God can get in between those so that you have deliverance. Those are some of the riches. You see, we are inheriting everything that belongs to Jesus Christ. We're joint heirs with him. We get everything he got. We get an equal share. We get eternal life in the presence of God. And my mind is not capable of embracing eternal. I don't understand never not existing. You know, to be existing forever and ever and ever. Fortunately, it'll be in a new body. Okay, because this one is showing the signs of age. And it will to you too, okay? I'm counting on it. But I know this, that I don't put any hope in this body, I don't put any hope in any person 
other than Jesus. I love a lot of other people. I trust a lot of other people. I have faith in some of the people. But I have hope in Jesus Christ. He won't let me down. He never will. Because I see eternity through the eyes of one who has been changed. And those changes that have taken place in me are still taking place to keep me focused on Jesus Christ. Right before God called me to go to seminary, I had a lot of training as an undercover agent and as a private investigator in photography. So I had taken a lot of different uh, photographs and when I went to seminary, I was invited to be the school photographer and not taking pictures of people, but events and the buildings there and all sorts of things. And it was black and white. It was a 35 millimeter single lens reflex with different kinds of, of uh, hardware for it. And I did my own developing in black and white. And I was thinking about that the other day about focus and something called depth of field. And depth of field is, is to what level will you have something in focus and then out of focus behind it to create an effect. And here's what God gave me, is that I have Jesus in focus. He's clearly focused in my life. Now there are times when I will gaze away from him and he'll have to bring my gaze back, but there are also times when I look beyond him and what I see is fuzzy. It's eternal life. I can't see it yet. It's not in focus yet. But the closer I get to him, the more likely I am to see that focus coming. I don't know what it's going to be. It's hard for me to understand it. But I know that life is about him right now for me, and life will be about him in that day to come. And all of that is backed up because of his great power. It's a transcending power. In other words, it's a power that comes here. It doesn't stay in the heavens. One person said, God is not just potentially great. He's surpassing great, incomparably great. His power belongs to another dimension. He never cuts it off. Wow. I've been going to Nigeria for 20 years. And in Nigeria, the government sells power. They don't tell you they're selling the power but you will be doing something in a building with power and suddenly the power's gone. And it could be out for a day, a week, an hour, you never know. Everyone is dependent upon backup power with generators because they're selling it. But God's power is never shut off. It's always available to us. I was thinking of that this morning as I came out of my home and I'm, I'm getting ready to get in my car and a squirrel goes under my car. And I'm thinking, that's the last thing I need is to run over a squirrel, you know, and, and go to church having killed something. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just not right. So I said, Lord, move that squirrel. I mean, really? Would you say a prayer like that? You know, just say, Lord, move that squirrel. And that squirrel went flying out. Now, I honestly believe that through the love and mercy and grace of God, he saved that squirrel today <laughs> because he's so powerful. And then I started thinking, wow, there's a bird feeder over there. All these birds are there. He knows all about the birds and the squirrels, and they're not in his image. We are. We are made 
with that character in us that got marred through sin, and now he is bringing us back to where he wanted us to be. If you think he loves squirrels and birds, you have no idea how much he loves you. And the power that he gives us is the power to live in the midst of that love. I have an older brother. I mean, like decades older, okay? He's 83. He loves the Lord. And he's still an active lawyer living in Florida. Amazing man of God. And then we were talking last week. I said, how you doing, Richard? He said, well, I'm doing well. I went to the doctor this week. And the doctor asked me, how are you doing? And I said, I don't know. He said, what do you mean you don't know? He said, well, I've never been 83 before. I'm not sure what it's supposed to feel like to be 83. And so he started asking me more questions. And I said, well, you know, Doc, I am a, I'm a born-again Christian. I'm a, a very dedicated man of God. So he said, I'm, I'm not concerned about anything. I, my hope is in the Lord. And after a few more minutes, the doctor turned to him and said, Richard, I, I really think you're suffering from depression. <laughs> and my brother said, oh, I'm not depressed. He said, I'm filled with joy because I know where I'm going. I just don't know when I'm going to get there. But he said, the world is depressed. We do live in a depressing world, don't we? A world that does not offer hope. The solutions that are given by the world are temporary at best, and they always are to the advantage of someone else, not to all of us. But our hope is in Jesus. In this world that's in turmoil, the Brookings Institute did a study. Here's what they found. Fear, isolation, pain, purposelessness, despair. These are all symptoms of a society that is broken and hurting. And they can lead to an early death from very real damage to the heart, the immune system, the GI system, and the brain. But the one who knows us knows that he won't let that happen if we hope in him. My brother has that hope. He's filled with it. I'm filled with it. Hopefully, you're filled with it. He knows his calling. I know my calling. Do you know your calling? Do you know what God's called you to do? Once you know that calling, dedicate it to him. I used to listen to a Pentecostal pastor preach. It was so different from the world that I had been trained in. I just wanted to see what he had to say. His name was R.W. Schambach from Tyler, Texas. And R.W. would end every one of his messages with, you don't have any problems. God is on your side. God is on our side. He loves us so much. I just pray that by being on your side, you will seek his hope, his riches, his power. Put your hope in God. Let me tell you, he will not let you down. One word from him changes everything. One word.